Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Lord God, that is who you are. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. Holy, holy, holy Lord, there are no words enough to say to you. Lord God, we love you. You're almighty, our redeemer. You are love. Lord God, we lift your name above every name in this house this morning, Lord. We worship you. Jesus' name. And we all say amen. Thank you. You know, I always think there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. But I'm sitting there this morning and I think, oh my gosh, I had no idea Jess was going to read out that scripture from 1 Corinthians. And, um, you know, because I was praying last night thinking and, you know, spending time with God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to say about communion this morning? And I got a word from him and then he woke me up at some ridiculous hour this morning, like 4.30 or something. Like, he doesn't really need to do that, but he did. And, um, and he talked to me about love. <laughs> and he gave me a scripture of 1 John 4. And I just want to read that to you. <laughs> and it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Not God loves or God has loved. God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, last night when I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, God loved us before we were even born. He sent Jesus so long ago. We weren't even a consideration, all those generations down to anyone except God. You know, that's how much he loves us. And I thought about it, I thought, what is that? And and one of my favourite stories in the Bible is the book of Ruth. I love it. And um, in there it talks about Boaz as being the redeemer of Ruth. If you haven't read it, it's a a fabulous story. Is that Boaz actually, he restored the inheritance of Ruth. And that's what God told me last night. Jesus is our redeemer. So I looked it up to see what redeemer really means. And it means that it pays off debt. It recovers. It repays. It saves. And it exchanges something for something else. It gives and takes. It it swaps. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He did all of those things. Every single one of those things he did for us even when we weren't even born. He's done it for every person. He offers us new life. He offers us new life for our old, soiled, 
dirty, yucky, horrible life. <laughs> like, how good is that? But you know what? There's no refund. It's an unconditional offer. No special conditions except one. He doesn't actually offer us our old life back. He wants to take that old life. We heard that like last week. Serena and Gigi both have, in this last few weeks, have said that. He actually wants us to give him our old life. And he wants to redeem us, to save us, to restore us, to exchange. And grace is a gift of new life. It's free for us, but it was an expense of everything for Jesus. He gave his life to redeem each of us. And I just, oh my gosh, it, it's cost us our sin and our death. That's it. <laughs> We're giving that up for him, redeeming us. And we don't need to go back ever. We give that up. It cost Jesus everything. So today as we take communion, if you, if you haven't got your little... Um, juice and stale biscuit <laughs> not my favourite kind of communion <laughs> um, please there's just some at the front desk, at the front counter as you came in, but we're going to pray and we're going to remember I'm really asking that you remember that you just spend some time just with the Lord give him that sin, give him that old life and if you've never done this before, I'm sure that Brad's going to give you an opportunity to come up and be, or to, to um, pray and turn your life around in that way. But right now, we're going to take this communion as a remembrance of what Christ has done, did do, and continues to do for us. So I'm going to pray, and then I'd like you to just take that in your own time. So, Lord God, Lord, we thank you that you have redeemed us. We thank you that you are love and that you pour that out for us. And that because you love us, we can love others, we can love ourselves. And Lord, we don't do this just lightly or glibly this morning. We do it in repentance and in remembrance, Father God, of everything that you have given us of everything that you continue to do in our lives and of the fact that we never need ever to give back our soiled life or to take back our soiled life that you keep it and you've tossed it away and you've restored us and redeemed us you've covered us with the blood of Jesus and healed us with the broken body and we thank you Lord God Please take the emblems, the cracker and the blood of the juice.
it's so good to be just reminded today that that's not the end. That every single day, it's just renewed the grace of God every day in our lives. It's constant. And it's a really good reminder that as he's saved us, he's blessed us with every single thing that we have. And part of our worship at Kalamunda is that we actually, we do physically worship. We take communion as a means of worship to the Lord and we also give. And, you know, I came across a beautiful prayer. <clears throat> I was actually thanking God and it, it's really just all my words put into a prayer. That he has blessed us with abundance. That he has blessed us with every single thing. And I'd just like to read that prayer today over our tithes and offerings. And as you just prepare your hearts, just ask the Lord, what is it that he wants you to give back to him today? To give back, not to hold on to. That's all he asks of us. Just check your heart and give what you feel it is he is telling you in your heart to give. So faithful Father, we thank you that you give the gift of abundant eternal life. You have said that you're a good father who gives us good gifts. Your generosity overflows to us, Lord. Every single thing we have is a gift from you. And as we bring our offerings to you, we give back to you from the abundant blessings that you have given us. Lord, we pray that our gifts may be acceptable to you today. Lord, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and strength. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And everybody says, Amen. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, just some news. Firstly, welcome to all of our um, newcomers today. We just want to welcome you to the Calamunda family. It's great to have you here. And if you are new and um, you want to know a little bit more about us, there are welcome packs in the front foyer and they've got some information on there. They've got a connect card that you can fill out and um, it'll help us to be able to keep in contact with you and also um, for you to be able to find out things that are going on in the life of the church so we can email updates to you. Um, we don't have any kids' church because there's holidays and how are all the parents going, all the mums? Hey, Sarah. Hey, darling. <laughs> um, all right, so there's activities at the back of the room for any young people and um, slightly older people who want to go and draw. They can do that too, but just down the back of the, um, of the um, auditorium. And we're going to have church news now. So if you'd just like to look at the screens, that'll be great. Thanks. Hey church, so glad you can be here with us today and we're embarking on our new series, Frequently Asked Questions. So looking forward to diving into that over the next few weeks. Also want to let you know next Sunday, the 9th of October, in place of our usual monthly prayer meeting, is a prayer meeting at the church, 5pm, Sunday the 9th of October. Come along for worship, for prayer and uh, engaging together as we seek God. Also coming up later in the month, a very important session called Safe Church Workshop on the 22nd of October, 9.30 to 12 p.m. Saturday morning. Uh, all volunteers, be fantastic if you can be here for the Safe Church training. It really helps with our duty of care. It's an important part of the ministry we do that we are providing safe, healthy and effective ministry. So hope to see you there.
Beautiful. We're just going to come back into worship. And just before we come in, I'd just like to pray over you guys. Um, just This is from number six, and it's called The Priestly Blessing. Um, from verse 20, 22, it says, Then the Lord says to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. When Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I will bless them myself. And this is so beautiful because we have an all-powerful, almighty God who we can just give all our glory to and in, in return, not because we deserve it, but we get blessed. We get blessed in our lives. We get blessed with each day and we get blessed with our beautiful family, our church family. And we're just so thankful. So if you guys are thankful too, I'd invite you guys to stand and just to sing out to God this morning.
singing that you are declaring so be it over my life father i just want to thank you for the amen on this sermon that you're stamping this morning not a word from me but a word from you this morning father i also want to thank you as we sing that song i just want to declare over our church family over even if you're a guest here with us visiting this morning i just want to declare over you this verse that came to me just then as i was worshiping is that god delights in the prosperity of his people god delights in seeing you prosper in every area of your life. 
to be effective for Jesus. He delights in that. He smiles over that. And Father, I just pray for a type of word this morning to the prosperity of God in every area of our lives, Father. I thank you for your word. We come with expectant hearts this morning. And everyone with faith said, Amen, Amen. Grab a seat. It's great to be with you this morning. Thank you, worship team. Uh, my name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to be with you this morning. And uh, um, I might, if someone could do me a favour and get me a water, if that's okay. I just sound, I know I sound a bit croaky. I've had a bit of hay fever lately. Um, that's cool. And uh, we've been. Uh, who enjoyed the bonfire on Friday night? Who went? For, we had a family church bonfire. Man, that was a huge bonfire. Dave and Joe, you're still getting the warmth off of that this morning when you got up. <laughs> It was wonderful. It's great to connect together, and we really would love to connect with you. We're getting people, uh, new sort of people we haven't seen every week on a Sunday, and that's wonderful. We'd love to connect with you. And um, and there's obviously a lot, a few away on holidays today, enjoying the school holidays. So that's good too. We pray for them, Lord, that you be with them and travelling mercies, which is good. And um, in the life of our church, these events where we get to connect in a family or community way, that's sort of it's really wonderful. And then going into into the, the new season, we hope to relaunch or reconnect and highlight some of the connect groups that we do have going on, um, and we've got a few ideas in place for that coming up too. But it's just really, really good to be with you. Um, Tim and Becca are away today, some of our staff, and it's good to have a breath, a breather over the school holiday period, isn't it? We've got some wonderful staff here, and thank you very much, you do a great job. And uh, So who's looking forward to this series we're starting today? Who's, oh, I won't say who's sending a question because they're anonymous, but we've had all sorts of interesting questions that have come in. <clears throat> and so it's, I'm really looking forward to it. Next week, uh, Luke Winter is speaking next week. He's going to be answering an interesting question. Um, we've had questions, is God male or female? Um, do pets go to heaven? Um, some of the other ones we've had um, around God's sovereignty. Uh, can we trust the Bible to be true? All sorts of different things. I'm going to be talking today about a rather difficult question, a very difficult question that is probably one of the most asked questions anywhere. In fact, one, one guy who was a journalist, he's Lee Strobel, and he's written books like The Case for Christ and The Case for Christmas, and he's a journalist, and he said this is the number one question he gets asked from people engaging in faith. But before I get to the question, do you... Um, do you remember that, that, that saying where we say in church sometimes, uh, God is good and all the time. You know that song, God is good all the time and all the time. I just wonder this morning if you've ever doubted that. I just wonder if there's ever been anything in your life. I know for me, and I'm not going to go through story after story, but I'll never forget uh, on Christmas Day a few years ago after speaking at a church, getting asked to uh, by a family, if I would please come and pray over their uh, baby at the time who had uh, cancer and was just, the doctors did nothing more they could do and let them go home. And so as soon as the service finished, I remember driving to, their pla driving to where they wanted to meet, uh, not, a, not, a, not a believing family necessarily, and uh, just been praying over that little baby and just praying the prayer of faith and just with all my might knowing and in my heart knowing this is not God's will for this baby to have cancer. And praying against that and then about a month later uh, attending the funeral and watching that tiny little coffin. And it just breaks your heart and you think, God, where was God when that happened? 
Uh, I'll never forget, and you have shared before, when we were preparing for Sky's brother's wedding two days before he was going to get married, a fit young 24-year-old, and we had dinner the two nights before the wedding. And um, unfortunately, that night, with heart complications and issues, he never woke up and he died that night, two days before his wedding, and we turned a wedding into a funeral, and you can't help but ask the question, God, where are you when that happened? Where is God when things happen? And I reckon as many people that are in the room this morning, there'd be as many stories and as many questions at times where maybe sometimes you've thought, yeah, well, God is good, but I don't know about all the time. And you question that. So I'm going to attempt to, out of John 11, we're going to, if you've got your Bibles there, we're going to go and look at uh, John 11, a very famous, well-known story. Because the heart of this issue, where was God when that happened, at the heart of it is the questions like, if there is a loving God, why does he allow evil and suffering in the world? Um, you might have heard this quote before. It says, uh, if God is all-powerful, he cannot be all-good. If he is all good, then he cannot be all powerful. In essence, it's saying if God is willing to prevent evil but not able, he is not omni. How do you say that word? Omnipotent. Omni yes, that's, that's a better way of saying it. Um, if he's willing but he's not able, then he's not powerful. If he is able but not willing, then he is mean. If he is both able and willing, then where does evil come from? If he is neither able nor willing, then why call him God? These questions that can haunt us, that can make us a little bit shaky even when we want to explain our faith and other people have their questions and you come up and you think, you know, this is really an important question for our apologetics to be able to share your faith, to, to, to settle in your own heart. And I'm, I'm just praying out of John 11 this morning, I'm just going to give a few thoughts because at the end of the day, what, what really, the real answer to a lot of this question, the real answer would be, I don't know. So pack up and let's go and say, gee, this is a great series, Brad. I'm really loving it so far. I don't know, but I want to tell you something in this story. In every unknown that a believer faces, there are certain things you can know. So life is not found in just the unknown. Life is found in what you know amidst the unknown. And what you know in the unknown can build strength in your life because, as I said, we all have a story. And I would never try to explain away why something happened with a theological band-aid, but rather I want to bring some life and hope this morning from this famous story about a guy called Lazarus and his family that hit a storm of, of where was God when this happened. So if you've got your Bibles, let's read John 11 verse 1. says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So Lazarus is sick. <clears throat> Jesus is out of town. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. That's how I would text Jesus if I wanted to get his attention. I wouldn't just say Lazarus. No, this is the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, <clears throat> so that the Son of God, God's Son, may be glorified through it. Catch this next line and tell me if you're not confused already. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. It makes perfect sense up to that sentence to me. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed where he was. Has God ever confused you? Ever thought, what are you doing, Lord? You've got to understand, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were very close friends of Jesus. Like, their house was the place Jesus would go to get some downtime from ministry. And you think about it, Martha would be a great cook and Mary would be a great listener. And so you've got the two elements of downtime, just want to chill out, just the busy crowds and multitudes. So he would go to this place. This was home territory. This was where he would hang out. And uh, it's interesting that just because they were so close to Jesus and so friendly with Jesus, even that did not disqualify them from a storm hitting their life. Because who knows, being a Christian does not disqualify you from adversity. But being a Christian does qualify you for victory. See, in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. I promise you, you will have trouble in this world. And some people live on that side of the verse and it's all trouble, trouble, trouble. And that's all you hear about and it's all negative. And that's, they just really need to read the rest of that verse and move over when Jesus said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You don't have to live on this side. You, yes, you be realist and you understand that life happens to everyone. Forrest Gump was right. Stuff happens and it happens to all of us. But we need to be believers who move over to the other side of the verse and go, you know what, life may happen, but he has overcome the world and I'm an overcomer. Amen. And so as we we understand that even the the close friends realizing that, hey, we're not disqualified from bad things happening to good people. Have you ever heard that? Why do bad things happen to good people? I believe you'll know the answer to that. This morning, and so many people get their idea from God about God from this fallen framework when they see bad things happening everywhere and assume maybe there is no God. And if He is, where is He? Even Jesus' close friends face this question, and so they send the messenger ahead to say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus is, must be because Jesus is busy. Let's just remind him. And like I said, it makes so much sense up to this, this part. And then it's like, notice Jesus' response. He says, he says, no, this is for God's glory. Interesting, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when people are going through a hard time, there's nothing worse. Some well-meaning, genuine Christian comes up and says things like this. Oh, it must have happened for a reason. Maybe there is no reason. Or we come up and say, well, uh, some, I don't know, something, it must, uh, one day you'll understand why that happened. And we feel like we've got to give some sort of answer in, in, the, in the mess. But the truth is what people really need in their crisis is not a cliche, just the presence just to listen, just, just to be there for them, just to not have to say anything. And, and I'll never forget in, in, in the story about Sky's brother when the family came home and it was just totally shock and horror and just looked at me. I'm, I'm the Christian. I'm the one that represents God and just throwing their hands in the air and just saying, what happened? How can this be true? And I just remember I, just, I stood there and said, I've, I'm sorry, I've got nothing. Because what you need right now is not any words. You need the presence 
You just need people to listen and be with you. And sometimes that's the best thing you do. But Jesus does say this sort of cliche, I'm not having a go at him because I reckon if you do a deeper study and look under what Jesus is saying, he's doing something very interesting. As soon as fear is gripping the heart and then he says, to this, this sickness will not end in death. Notice what he does right away in the, when he hears what's going on, he gets the message, he speaks because he, the first thing he wanted them to hear is the promises of God over this situation. The first thing he wanted them to hang on to in their crisis was not what they see or feel, but the word of God. And he says, this sickness will not end in death. Into the atmosphere, he speaks a word, a promise that is, supersedes the problem. And this is that God will be glorified. And, and it might just sound like words, but this is the Son of God speaking a promise that they could hold on to and the atmosphere can change. And I want to tell you, where is God in the midst of when things are all, hell is breaking loose? He is speaking a better word. He is speaking a promise. He has something to say about the situation, but so often our ears are too plugged up with the world and we're too in the, in the moment. We need to be able to stop and, and hear what God is saying. Right from the outset, he speaks into the atmosphere. And uh, I just believe that's powerful. His creative words, like in Genesis, let there be light and there was light. Jesus was declaring a promise over the problem. He was combating the attack with a divine announcement. And sometimes that is where God is if we can hear him in the storm. In the unknown, there is one thing we can know, and that is God's promises. And, that, and, and that's... That's true. And we, you know, Job, in the, <laughs> the book of Job, and that poor guy Job, when he lost everything, he loses his health, he loses his wealth, he loses his family, he's losing everything around him. And, and in all these unknowns, I love what he says. He says, in everything I don't know, he says, there's one thing I know. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. And he could say that in the midst of losing everything. He said, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't make sense. My friends have left me. I'm on my own. I don't know, but there's one thing I do know. And I tell you, there's one thing as a Christian, when we walk through adversity that should look different to other people, is that we might not know why, but we know my Redeemer lives. And he lives on the inside of me. And he's going to give me fresh hope for a fresh day, for a fresh breath. And sometimes it is just that you need that one moment declaring into the atmosphere. I don't know what it is that you could say in your life, where was God when that happened? But I know that he wants to be for you what you cannot be in the situation. He wants to be that comfort. He wants to be that healing. He wants to be, and in this situation, he wants to be, as the Bible says, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know, Mary and Martha, you have lost your brother, but I just want you to know that I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So as I said, so when he heard he was sick, he stayed there two more days. Again, it sounds like he doesn't care. It sounds like he's just staying there. It sounds like Jesus is mean, doesn't it? Um, and sometimes what we defined as the absence of God in our situation means that we make some assumptions about God in our situation. Just because we don't feel him, just because it's not happening the way we want it to happen, and sometimes our disappointments in God's delays cause us to have a distorted view of where God is in the situation. Who knows, though, that I love that saying, God's delays are not God's de denials. 
Jesus loved them and he stayed. There was a, they, there was a certain Jewish train of thought and theology that the spirit of a body would hang, a spirit of a person would hang around the body for three days. And it's interesting that Jesus is taking three days together. He's really making sure that there is no doubt at all that this was going to be a miracle, the power of God. Was it the Sadducees that believed that? Does anybody? I think it was one of the, tra- one of the sects believed that. Because someone once said to me they believed that and that's why they were Sadducee. And I was like, that's a really good joke. I'm going to use that one day. And it didn't quite come out right then. But um, they believe that. And Jesus, so just spoiler alert, Lazarus is going to come back to the dead. But this is going to be an undoubted miracle, verified miracle. And so where is God in the situation? Another thought is that he's operating above our understanding. And often that is uncomfortable. Often God is operating above our ways. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above, so high are his ways and his thoughts. And sometimes it, 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 sometimes it takes maturity to be able to rest in God's mysteries and his miracles and, and to still, still trust and believe in his word even when you don't see what's happening. See, we, you would have read that book, The Five Love Languages. You know, everyone has a love language. Like Sky's love language is, is gifts and money and giving. Remember I gave you Christmas gifts here uh, last Christmas for my sermon? It's not happening this year, by the way, if everyone's wondering, coming back for that. But you know what God's love language is? Trust. Trust. He loves to be trusted. Even when we can't see or understand what's going on, but we still trust him. God loves that. Mary Martha, will you trust me even though I'm not there yet? Will you trust me even though it's getting dark? Will you trust me even though you don't understand? If you want to possess the peace that passes understanding, sometimes you have to give up your right to understand everything. Isn't that the truth? To figure it all out doesn't mean we don't think, but sometimes if we want to have that peace the Bible talks about transcends understanding, then sometimes we've got to just give up our right to think we have to understand everything and live in the mystery can be exciting and journey with God. Don't allow your circumstances to define God's love for you. I believe everybody in this room probably has a Lazarus. I'm not talking about a person that's passed away, but you've probably had something that you have gone through that, that Lazarus... Uh, that can, and, and because of that thing, it can either make you bitter or it can lean, you can lean into trust and lean into leaning into God's promises. The word of Jesus did not, when even when he declared this would be for God's glory, when he spoke that word, it did not take the problem away straight away. It was still there. And we see, we read on and it says this, eventually Jesus makes it to Bethany. Let's go. I'm going to skip a few. He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard, catch this, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This next line is the line that you could sum the title of this sermon up. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Powerful. You could imagine her in her grief and, and step into the text for a minute and, and, and remember these close friends of Jesus, seeing all his miraculous power, knowing what he can do, knowing he's the son of God and knowing how much he loves them. And she runs out to the gate and she's like, if you had been here, where were you when I needed you? 
Where were you when things got tough, God? And the truth is, we all deal with grief in different ways. Isn't that the truth? Notice Martha's way. She, being action oriented, I believe she runs out to the gate. She's like, he's, come, he's not coming inside today. <laughs> he's not coming in for the potato bake this day. I'm going out there. And she's out there and she is confronting and she's, he's meeting him at the gate. Mary, she, she cannot see him. She is isolating herself and she's staying, she cannot get out of the house. Her grief is, and the truth is, there is no right or wrong way to deal with grief and even to wrestle with this question that I'm bringing to us today. And you're probably going right now, is actually, is it, I'm not getting many answers here, but I'm hoping you're getting some faith here, some trust here, because uh, there's no wrong or right way. And we see that both these people dealing with their grief in different ways in their disappointment. But here's the answer to the question, where was Jesus in the time right now? Where was he? Here's the answer. Jesus is, was as close as they would let him. He's as close. God is as close to you in your situation as you will let him. If you let, if you let him to the gate, he'll come to the gate. If you let him inside, he'll come inside. If you let him into the painful area, he'll come there. God is as close as someone will let him to them. That's where he really is. I know when we went through uh, our hospital journey, we made up our minds straight away uh, as a family. We wanted God as close as we could get him. I want him right with me, right in this situation. We don't want to push him away. I don't want... And you know, you know how you get God close to your situation? This has really helped me and I believe it will help you. The way you invite God and get God close to you in your crisis is by moving from one spot to another spot. And it's moving from one place which is called why. Why is this happening? The question of why. Why me? Why now? Why is this happening? And when you move from why and you shift your posture to what? What, God, do you want to be for me in this situation right now? When you move from why to what, you position yourself to see God, to feel God, to sense God's presence in a different way because you're saying, God, what do you want to be? Do you want to be my, my healer right now? What do you want to be my comforter? Do you want to be that friend that sticks closer? We're moving to the what question. And we did that in our journey to say, I'm not going to ask the question why because why just leads to confusion. Why just leads to angry and bitter. Why just leads to a lot of things. And I'm not saying never ask it, but there needs to be a shift where you move from stop living in why and move to what and say, God, what do you want to be for me? God is as close as you will let him in the situation. Why do bad things happen to good people? Who would like to know the answer to that question? It's very simple. The question is flawed. Bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen in a bad fallen world. And that's not just explaining it away. It's the truth that we live in a world of, of, of choices and you have a free will and I have a free will. You can take a knife and you can use it to spread butter or you can use it to take a life. God has not wanted robots, amen? He doesn't want you and me to be robots and they've got to pull a cord and we say, I love you, God. But rather, he's given us free will and with that free will, the potential for evil has flooded in since 
Amen? Since choosing our own rebellion. But I'll tell you, to tell you what happened though, there was a time in history where a bad thing happened to a good person. It's only ever been once. It was over 2,000 years ago and there was a good person, perfectly good, because the definition of good is moral perfection. And Jesus, the God-man, sinless, walked this earth and the only time that a bad thing has happened to a good person was on the cross when he took all of your sin and all of my sin and paid the price for us all. A bad thing happened to the only good person. Amen? Amen? That's the answer to that question. I don't know about you, but I find that rather liberating. I find that wonderful. I find that beautiful that, you know, I, I just, I'm amazed at all the good things that happen to me. It's, a, it's ridiculous how good God is to me, how God is good to us. He's as close as you will let him. And we move to the next part of the scripture in verse 32, which says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was. Notice this. She comes to that place now. She saw him and fell at his feet and said, Lord, if, exactly the same line, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply, catch this language, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Then he speaks. He says, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. The shortest verse in the Bible for anyone wanting to memorize a verse today, and you can have this with you and go home and say, I've got a memory verse. Here it is. You ready? Verse 35. Jesus wept. (laughs) Short verse. Huge, huge profound meaning. Amen. Jesus. Where is Jesus? Where was he when that thing happened? Where is he in the midst of crisis where is he in the midst of abuse where is he in the midst of things going down the gurgler he is weeping jesus enters in and meets us in that place of emotion and he he weeps then he the jews said to him see how he loved him but some of them said could he not have opened could he who not opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying where is jesus he's feeling our pain I believe he weeps over the fallen decisions, the bad decisions, the evil choices, the, the free will that's used in, in different ways today where he's like, you know, I, 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 I'm a gentleman. I will let you choose. God is not going to override your free will. And I believe he weeps. Notice Mary lets Jesus a lot closer. And this is important. Mary said to him, when he said, where have you laid him? Mary was now at a place where she could actually say the words. And these are powerful words. Jesus, I want you to come and see. Come and see. Take, and I want to say to us when, if you really want to get God's ministry into your heartbreak, into your, your healing, you need to be able to say, Jesus, come and see. Take him to the place where your Lazarus is. Jesus cannot heal what he cannot locate. Jesus cannot transform what you do not show him. Jesus cannot change what you don't bring into the light. He's working with you. He's saying, come and see. And, and, and she's saying, I'm ready now. I want you to come and see the situation. And for us, maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been a long time since you've actually said, God, I want to bring you into this situation. I've never shared this with you, Lord. I've never asked for help with this. I've never had forgiveness of this. I've never forgiven this person of this. Whatever your Lazarus looks like and you say where was God when that happened maybe it is the grief of somebody passing too soon maybe it is the grief of something that happened that you had no control over and God is saying will you let me come and see the place take Jesus there don't hold him out because he cannot transform what he cannot touch if you don't let him 
And she says, come and see. He's hiding. He's behind a rock. And you've never let it go. What this can look like is actually saying to God, I want to show you. I remember, and with Sky's permission, I share everything. Well, most things. Like I said, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say, so I can't really get permission on the stage. But I remember when we were dealing with the grief of where was God when this happened? Why could, how could he allow this to happen with her brother? And I remember we were about one o'clock in the morning one night and we were up very late and I was just saying, crying out to God. And I just said, we can't, this grief is too much to live with. And I remember God put something in my heart and it was like he didn't speak out loud, but in his heart he said, Brad, grief will be your visitor, not your resident. And it was like, oh, it was like this is a season and it's okay. And, and, and it was interesting. We actually prayed a very unusual prayer that I wasn't accustomed to praying. And we actually prayed a sign. We just need something from you to move forward because we are really struggling. And my wife is really struggling. And I'll never forget, uh, uh, we had written that down. I remember we'd written that down in the journal, the exact date that that prayer was. And we put it on the fridge and totally forgotten about it um, in terms of years later when I saw it. And I was like, wow. Because a few days later... We're driving home from a certain meeting appointment that I had and Sky was falling asleep in the car and she sort of fell asleep. Not for long, it was literally like, you know, with them little jolts you get <laughs> and you're like asleep for a second. But she thought she'd been out for ages and she just started weeping uncontrollable and couldn't tell me what was going on. But a, a day later, she told me, she said that she had this vision and, you know, not growing up in the church and knowing all the churchy stuff, this sort of thing. I knew this was, this was awesome. And she had this vision in that moment. And in that vision, she saw her brother. And it was like a message from God. He was smiling and calling her by her, her nickname. And there was just this ministry moment. She's just flooding of all this stuff. And it, it didn't take the pain away. It didn't make everything better. But it was God showing up in the situation where you let him to say, I'm still here. I still love you. I'm still with you. And it was something that you could move forward in and take a step. And I just want to share that testimony to encourage you that even in the mess, even in the grief, God will meet you if you will let him. God wants you to know that he, it's not too late for him to make a difference in your Lazarus situation if that makes sense where was God he's speaking a better word he's speaking a promise where is God as close as you will let him where is God he's weeping with you there's no right or wrong way to grieve where where is God he's willing to go to the place if you will let him where is God he will roll the stone away that stands in the place of the situation last bit of scripture says this verse 41 so they took away the stone then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. I love that. Take off the grave clothes. Come on, put it, these don't fit for a living man. Amen. Come on, some of us need to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Take off the grave clothes. Come on, we're not here to celebrate a funeral. It's a festival. It's a risen Lord. He's alive today. And let him Go. Where is God in the situation? I'll tell you where he is. He's willing to act even now. Even now. Even when things look too late, he is still willing to act. Now, I want to say I know that this story has a happy ending, and there are many stories in this room that probably don't have 
a happy ending. There's nothing a man can say, no one can do to make a difference. You would say nothing would make a difference. But the truth is we all live in a sense with a lot of unhappy endings. And if that is why this message is so important, it is only God that can make a difference in your situation. It is only a word from God, an encounter with God, God in your life. It is not a man or a man's word. It is not, your counseling's great and we should embrace that sort of thing and they might need some therapy. But at the end of the day, you need Jesus to rock up and say something into your life and speak to you in a way and meet you in a way that that makes the difference. That makes the difference. As the team comes back up, we're going to close off in a, in a second. He speaks. It's interesting, isn't it? I love, I love the story of Lazarus for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, I just love the fact that he's just a walking testimony as he goes around town after this time. Who knows, though, even Lazarus, poor bloke, he had to die twice. He was going to die again. And so we're all going to die one day. And uh, even Lazarus, though, got this second chance in life. I just wonder what he, what he got up to. It's not a lot written. It is that there is written that a lot of people believed in Jesus because of Lazarus. And I believe as God gives you a second chance in your life, many people will see and believe because of what he's doing in your life. As I come to a close... I want to read this last, it's not on the screen, so that's, thanks James, that's good, doing a great job. Thank you, all the PowerPoint people. From Revelation, that is the promise that you can hang on to. Even in the tough stuff, even when we don't understand, even when you don't know, here's something in the known. You ready? It says this in Revelation. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the order of things, old order of things has passed away. See, we'll all pass away. But the truth is, there's coming a day where the old order of things has passed away. And we can live in the hope and reality of that. That even in the things we don't understand, as we hold on to Jesus as the anchor of our life, we have certainty in uncertainty. We have things we know in the unknown. I'm going to close off and pray for us in a moment and the worship team is going to sing a song and after that maybe you want to receive prayer today maybe there's something in your life like the Lazarus that you'd like God just you want to just bring it to him and say God come and see maybe in unanswered questions for you you just want to spend some time with God today just saying Lord I've never really never really brought this to you and heard from you about the situation. Where were you when that happened? Maybe today it's about trusting God again and saying, what happened back there caused me to lose some trust and I'm coming back into trust today, to trust you with everything. I don't know what it looks like for you and I don't need to because God does, but we'd love to be available to pray for you as the worship team 
releases us. But would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a prayer. Father, I just thank you so much this morning as we stand. We stand in your presence, Jesus. The presence of the risen King. Lord, I want to thank you, Father, that you stand at the at the tomb of every Lazarus right now and you want to speak words of life. So right now I just speak fresh hope over that situation. I speak fresh belief. I speak healing. I speak resurrection power over that situation. I speak uh, a new sense of a freshness of, of mental health, just being strong in the Lord, just having the mind of Christ. I speak that over us as a church this morning. Father, I thank you that you speak a better word than any problem or situation that we can trust you. Lord, and even when the problems don't disappear, it doesn't matter because we've got your presence. And I pray you'd bring fresh perspective in our lives this morning of everything that is going on in our hearts, in our lives. I thank you for every person that's here. I pray for any person that does not follow you, that today could be the day they come down the front and say, I want to follow Jesus. I've never said yes to Jesus. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you that you're as close as we will let you. And everybody said, Amen.